Hey everyone, Katie here. Before we get started, I just wanted to say a quick note that we had some technical issues while recording this episode that I did not notice until I edited it. So there were some parts where the audio got cut out and didn't record. I tried to edit those as smoothly as possible, but if there's any sort of awkward jump in the conversation or silence at any point, I tried to catch them all. But um, if you notice it, that's what that is. So hopefully you'll bear with us while we still figure out our new recording equipment and everything. But we hope you enjoy and let's get to the episode. Coming to you from Strings and Things Studio in Ventura, California, this is the Strings Unraveled Book Club. Mm. Okay. <laughs> um, so, how are you guys? Good? Good, good, good. good. Mm. Awesome. Serving nice warm tea. Yeah, I love it. Sweater, sweater, sweater weather. Know, so nice. I saw a cute picture of you in a sweater earlier I today. I put it on and then I sat at home for a little while and I got warm, so oh. I took it off and then I forgot to grab it when I left the house. Got so it. I don't have sweater a sweater. Sweater season is the best season. Today we are talking about Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier, um, which was my pick for the book club this week. So um, I have a not so quick summary, but it was a good summary. It's a couple paragraphs, so I'm, I'm sure it's get shorter than the it. book. <laughs> it is shorter than the book. Okay. Um, so Rebecca's narrative takes the form of a flashback. The heroine who remains nameless lives in Europe with her husband, Maxim de Winter, traveling from hotel to hotel, harboring memories of a beautiful home called Manderley. The story begins in her memories and how she and Maxim first met in Monte Carlo years before. In her flashback, the heroine is working as the young traveling companion to a wealthy American named Mrs. Van Hopper. In her flashback, Maxim is staying at the hotel, the same hotel as the heroine and her employer, and after knowing the heroine for only a few weeks, he proposes marriage. She accepts, and he marries her and takes her back to his ancestral estate of Manderley. But a dark cloud hangs over their marriage. Maxim's first wife, Rebecca, drowned in a cove near Manderley the previous year, and her memory haunts the... Newlywood's home. Rebecca's devoted housekeeper, the sinister Mrs. Danvers, is still in charge of Manderley, and she frightens and intimidates the new mistress, despite the encouragement of the house overseer Frank Crowley and Maxim's sister Beatrice, the heroine struggles in her new life at Manderley. She feels she can never compare to the compare favorably to Rebecca, who is beautiful, talented, and brilliant, or so everyone says, and soon she feels that Maxim is still in love with his dead wife. Manderley traditionally hosts a costume ball each year, and it's soon time for the gala to take place. Swept up in the preparations, the heroine's spirit began to revive, but the ball ends in disaster. On Mrs. Danvers' suggestion that she wears a costume that it turns out is the same dress that Rebecca wore at the last ball. Upon seeing the heroine, Maxim is horrified, and the heroine becomes convinced that, she will that he will never love her, and that he is still devoted to Rebecca. The following day, Miss Danvers almost um, convinces our heroine to kill herself, and she only breaks away from the old woman's spell when rockets go off near the cove, signaling that a ship has run aground. When divers swim near the grounded ship, they find the wreckage of Rebecca's sailboat with Rebecca's dead body in the hole. Aha. Discovery prompts Maxim to tell our heroine the truth, that Rebecca was a malevolent, wicked woman who lived a secret life and carried on multiple affairs, including one with her first cousin, Jack Favell. On the night of her death, Maxim had demanded a divorce, and she refused and told him that she was pregnant with Savelle's child. Furious, he seized a gun and shot her, and then sailed out to the harbor in Rebecca's boat and sank it with the body stowed safely inside. 
This revelation <laughs> tucked in there. Yep, just tucked right in. <laughs> this revelation restores the heroine's marriage and enables her to finally shake off the burden of Rebecca's There's ghost. Wrong with that too, though. Meanwhile, we'll however, the it. noose of justice tightens around Maxim. First, it's found that holes have been drilled in the bottom of Rebecca's boat. Luckily, the coroner delivers a report of suicide rather than murder, but soon Rebecca's cousin, Favelle, certain that Rebecca did not kill herself, accuses Maxim of the crime. The local magistrate, Col- Colonel Julian, investigates and finds that on the day of her death, Rebecca went up to London to see Dr. Baker. Favelle, Maxim, and the heroine accompany Julian to London. The heroine is certain that Baker will reveal that Rebecca was pregnant, thus revealing Maxim's vengeful motive for murder. But instead, it turns out that Rebecca was dying of cancer. Plot twist. (laughs) And that furthermore, she was infertile. She'd lied to Maxim about her pregnancy. Maxim assumes that Rebecca, knowing that she would die, manipulated him into killing her quickly. Mrs. Danvers had said after the inquiry that Rebecca feared nothing except dying a lingering death. Her terminal illness now supplies a motive for Rebecca's supposed suicide, and Maxim is saved. He and the heroine drive all night back to Vanderly stopping only once when Maxim calls home and learns that Mrs. Danvers has disappeared. As they press the ridge near the mansion, they look down and find it in flames. And that is how the book ends with Manderley on fire. So, and you just finished it. Yeah. yeah. And then I re-listened to, um, to the first chapter because I was familiar with the story because I was completely fascinated by the original movie when uh-huh. I was in high school uh-huh. like very fascinated and then I picked the book up because my mom has it she has several Daphne du Maurier books um and I d- couldn't remember why I didn't carry on because I do remember being absolutely fascinated with the movie uh-huh. this was a hard book for me to finish thus finishing 15 minutes before we met uh-huh. because it goes on it and does. on <laughs> like at the same time in my life, I was supposed to read *Test of the Dubervilles* by Thomas Hardy. I don't know. Oh, that's a hard one it? to read. Mm-hmm. It's that is such a hard one to get through. He, he describes like, every flower in the moor. Like, it, yeah, here's re- Tess. It's like reading Dickens. It's like reading uh, Dickens is easier. It depends. I, it depends on the book. Fair enough. Well, that's actually. So I mean, funny I that... have a 700-page Dickens book that I only got through the first 200. Oh, that's all. I, I did get through Great Expectations. I, I don't love know why. Great Expectations. I love that one. I love um, David Copperfield. Um... The only Dickens I've read was Christmas Carol, and that's very short. Yeah, and I, I like that one. That's a great one, which is why it stand, carries on. But it's funny that you mentioned Dickens because this book was going on and on and on, and I was like. Was this written as a um, periodical publication? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Because that's one of the reasons yeah. Dickens right. goes on and on is to extend his contracts and just fill fill pages. Because um, it went on and on and on. Yeah, <laughs> I love the story still. Like as I finished it, and we finally get through the rising action, and we get to the climax. Uh-huh. I love how it turns out. Yeah, I love it still. But it is a time, and I haven't watched the new movie yet. Mm-hmm. I did. It's I did a too. time. But when... I made myself finish the book first. Well, I was trying to do that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I watched, I finished the book a couple weeks ago, and I tried, and I watched the new movie right when I finished the book. And I tried to find the old one to stream, but it's not streaming anywhere, well, so I couldn't watch it. It's a very good movie. I thought about, you know, going on some. Well, the, and the old one's Alfred Hitchcock. It, but... So it has Alfred is Hitchcock's. It, Alfred Hitchcock? it is an yeah, Alfred okay. Hitchcock. That's probably so, why I was fascinated with it. Because the time, there's a certain. There's a the drama and the macabre of it. Yeah, is, yeah. It converged on a time when I was fascinated with Hitchcock, probably. Yeah. There's actually I was I'm always fascinated up, with Hitchcock. Yeah. I was interested in like the uh, adaptation, adapta- adaptation, excuse me, of the book, 
There's actually five different films it's been adapted to. Really? Wikipedia only told me about the Netflix one and the um, Hitchcock one, so I don't okay. know about others. But it's also been adapted for television a couple times and radio a few times, too. But I really wanted to watch the um, Hitchcock one. I just couldn't find it it's anywhere. It's very so good. Maybe someday I will watch it. I was reading the um, the differences between the two because I did watch the new movie and they changed some things like a movie does. Yeah. And the old movie changes the ending nearly that's completely that's what i thought because yeah. this was not like it's the same sentiment uh-huh like but rebecca's it's not, the same but monster if you, but if you experience is she the hitchcock movie first yes this the ending to this would feel a little unfamiliar or a little dis a little disconnected yeah not in a bad it's way still just the same. different so i found some interesting information about that it says um this is one of the questions that i have right now it says in the film directed by Hitchcock because it was made during the code era, the Hollywood production code. <laughs> it required that if Maxim had murdered his wife, that he would have need to be punished for his crime. Uh, so they couldn't make him responsible for her death. Otherwise they couldn't have a happy uh, ending at the end. So Rebecca's death is made into an accident as opposed to a murder. Although Maxim go. still talks about how he would have killed her yeah. anyway. This um, is how I would have done it. Right. So, uh, I didn't Maxim. do it, but if I did. <laughs> if I did. Um, I, Thank you, OJ. Um, that must be the thing. Because yeah. I was like, this This was an interesting surprise, the way that it was told. But right. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie. I usually don't read the afterwards. Because usually when I'm done with the book, I'm done with it. And I don't really oh, there was an go. Afterwards? There is an afterwards. There is an afterwards. that in the Kindle version that is actually pretty yeah. interesting. It yeah. talks more about what was happening in the author's life during uh-huh. this time. She's an interesting figure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I recommend looking. I mean, I just read through the, I think the I Wikipedia like notes a... on it, but it was interesting. Yeah. I think I did like a, if we had to pick some author from that period and read three of their novels. Hmm. Apparently she uh, wrote a stage play. Like she herself wrote a stage play version of the <laughs> book to be adapted into um stage which i thought was interesting, interesting. okay so let's jump into <laughs> how long is it is it like a two nine? yeah that i don't know <laughs> i loved the book i had a great time good. listening to it good. um I, oh, it was... I did the audiobook was really really too, good too yeah. long i should have listened to it on double time the whole way <laughs> i like took my time and enjoyed it and i actually really did enjoy it good. it was like right when the weather was starting to like turn a little bit cooler so I would wake up early and I would sit in my little armchair with my blanket and my book playing and knit for like an hour in the morning. And I just had like the greatest time listening to this That's book. Lovely. So I um, very much enjoyed it. And I wanted to talk. I picked it as a book because my aunt had told me this was her favorite book. Wow. And then my cousin hmm. was like, oh, yeah, it's great. This is her daughter. And I was like, OK, I've never read it. So um, I wanted to read it. And I can understand why it would be her favorite book, because I felt like. Number one, I didn't really know anything about it going into it, and I didn't know the story that well. In my mind, it's one of the questions is, is it a ghost story? Which in my yes. it, the way they market it, felt it the way they market it, especially yes the new movie, no. which I had seen the trailer, I would have assumed it was. Yeah. But it's not it's a psychological ghost story. <laughs> right. So I yes. went back and listened to the first chapter again uh-huh. before just now because um in the old movie in the Hitchcock movie, uh-huh. it opens with seeing Manderly burn. Uh-huh. So you already know that's already gonna know that be the outcome. And so I was like, is that how the book began? Like the book started with this ghostly telling of right. her dream 
visit to Manderley. But I don't think you know that the house no. is burned. No. Yeah. The book keeps it mm-hmm. a, a secret. The See, movie just hits you on the head with it. In this synopsis, <laughs> I skipped one part because I remember reading it and thinking, I don't think that's right. But it says at the very beginning, we learn has been destroyed by fire. And no. I'm like, I don't think no. that happened no, in the no, book. No, no, no. Somebody's no. just telling yeah. you the movie. Spark notes. <laughs> it's like, spark notes. Get your source right. <laughs> that's funny because that's supposed to like save right? you from your teacher knowing you just watched You would have answered that question. Uh, <laughs> spark notes. Sucker. <laughs> um, I, I love the richness of the characters, too. I thought the characters were well developed. And I liked that. I'm usually pretty sensitive to, sensitive to like really overly flowery prose, like you were saying. Yeah, like they weren't I cannot, overly flowery. This, this was no. like enough. Took a long time to get where we yes. were going. She took her time with it. That's for sure. But she's a young girl. She shouldn't rush. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. I mean, our narrator has a very rich internal life yes. and I yeah. and I did enjoy that actually because it the prose wonder in the same way my dumb mind does. It, it was know? very realistic. <laughs> you can tell it's written by a woman because yes. you know exactly what she's thinking all the time. It wasn't hard to track for sure. No, no, no. no. Um it's re- I I felt like she was a realistic character because she for a woman in her like state her, and stature yeah, in age, life yeah. mm-hmm. with no family no money like well, why wouldn't you marry this handsome man that was going to take you to this I beautiful enjoy place the, to live and... yeah the, especially as instead of the 17 year old or whatever I was when I picked it up I uh-huh. love the contrast of the narrator over time right. as she reflects and she's clearly seasoned and mellowed and maybe yeah. you know does she love her life now with right. this hotel living and the uh, radio's too exciting for that? Right. Like <laughs> so this is the wireless. <laughs> I can see that there's, I'm reading a little bit of the afterward and it, it, it ties what was going on with the author's life mm-hmm. when she wrote this at the time there was, she was going through a really hard time. Um, her adored father, but dominant father had died. She was pregnant with a second child uh, while she was planning the book and she had to be away from Cornwall that she loved so much because her husband had accepted a post out in Egypt. Mm. So she's, and so she's home desperately homesick. She w- is longing for what it says her uh, home by the sea in Cornwall. That was like a pain under the heart continually. She was so unhappy that, and then she hated having to do the small talk and the endless receptions. Uh-huh. So in some ways she was very much, like this young girl who I did not I, fit in with the awkward with the neighbors you right. know having to talk about oh yeah when are you gonna have the ball and she was a great this and she was a great that and oh i'm but i'm sure you'll be happy dear i'm sure yeah. well i mean it's <laughs> like a psychological ghost story like the haunting yeah the right. person who comes before you and it's not literally haunted by the ghost of rebecca but no the but memory of her like you any know. young like any person marrying and living in the house that the previous wife sure. had been in, whether that was from divorce or from death, you know, the, all the regular day to day stuff of that other person had been yeah. marked into the groove of that house. I have a um, step mother in law. And when my would have been mother in law passed away and my father in law got remarried, 
the first thing she did was redecorate the house, so I can understand why she would do yeah. that. Yeah. You know, it's hard to live in a in a place that looks and feels so like much somebody like else. somebody else and somebody you don't know. Yeah. And you feel like you might not be able to live up to. So um so one of the, my first question is um du Maurier admitted that her heroine has no name because she could never think of an appropriate one for her which is in itself a telling comment what effect does it have on the novel that the heroine has no first name i never noticed it oh i was wondering i didn't until about halfway through and i was like what the hell is this girl's name actually that's my no actually i i noticed earlier because he says something about like oh your name is so interesting and i thought am i crazy that i don't remember what her name is this is the second time we've read a book with no name and nobody else in the in the household they just called her mrs Mrs. That's Dewinter. appropriate. Mrs. Yeah. yeah, it's completely appropriate. Yeah, that's real. And, and the woman that she was working for as a companion had the, her own names for her, but never actually called her by her name. Yeah. I don't know if she ever referred to her, her by any name. Yeah, I think that was just cleverly left out of the dialogue that oh, she didn't yeah. ever call her. Because when you're only two people in a room, like I keep trying to explain to my children. You don't have to use someone's name or title. All so the, the di- time. so it's Mom. a very interesting dynamic. Mom. She throughout the story, she's not really given an identity, right? But the other woman's identity is screamed Over- at her all the it's time. It's the name of the book, right? You yeah. know, yeah. Um, and do you have to name yourself? I mean, that's the part of this book being right. so in the narrator's point of view, like a hundred percent narrator mm-hmm. point of view. There yeah. is very limited (laughs) so i have a a snippet of information here which says in the victorian era most novels centered around one person that centered around one person took that person's name as their title male-centric novels used both their first and last name like david copperfield right um in female-centric novels usually only the first name was used since most novels ended with a marriage changing the woman's last name uh-huh. So Jane Emma. Eyre, Jane, yeah, Emma, <laughs> Jane, Jane Eyre is titled after the book's narrator and uses both her first and last name, whereas oh. Rebecca is titled after the dead wife and only uses her first name, oh. which I thought was pretty fascinating. Yeah. Um, it also goes into this other question I have that was, um, hold on, how is gender used in this novel? So Rebecca is is she feminine? Is she more of a masculine em- energy? And the narrator, and what power can we see in accompanying the gender roles in this story? So I think it depends on who was describing her. But she herself mentioned like how she, self. right, how she could act like a man. She did whatever yeah. she wanted. She yeah. slept with whatever whoever she wanted. She did whatever she wasn't. She was going to live her life exactly how she wanted to. Yeah, very much. Which was much more for that time. Yeah, acceptable as a as a male than as a female in that time. Whereas our narrator is like the epitome of like a young girl, ingenue, right? Yeah, which I thought was interesting. Um, but she lacked, or at least in her awareness of herself, she lacked the elegance and grace. Yeah. I think Rebecca was a chameleon. She played to who her audience was, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To, we eventually learned to Mrs. Danvers she's this child to be cared right. for. Um, for for Maxim, she's a villain. Right. A <laughs> psychopath. She, yeah. uh, kind of a control freak to all the men, including sure. including the estate manager. Right, in yeah. the way she wanted to use them. Right. Um, she got yeah. what she wanted out of them. I mean... And yet she... 
she needed it must have needed a break from all of that because she took on the old boathouse as her that's why she had her little house her cottage out at the beach because it's exhausting trying to manage everybody else's life to your pleasure you don't think rebecca had exactly the life she wanted though like oh i think she did but i think she needed to Take a breath from time to time. I mean, wow, well, she never took You're a breath alone. To <laughs> I sense. Uh oh. That's <laughs> for like a, a red minute, flag. For a minute, I was too. When the ending was different than I, or at least than my brain expected, because I, I was don't sympathetic to her until I realized that the boathouse was also the place where she met up with everybody. Well, when Max and instead that of taking was them to this to us early, mm-hmm. the moonlight yeah. picnics, like there's. Very little entendre, you know, double entendre mm-hmm. there. <laughs> like, um, it's a light. Okay, light so veil. maybe part of me really <laughs> identifies with the unnamed heroine because no, no, I actually no. thought. Let's learn more dynamics how about Karen here. <laughs> how romantic a moonlight picnic. Oh, not not with her husband. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. Um, also, she was an extremely capable sea person, you know, at right. at the boat, which is another another thing that. Women would not have necessarily. Well, so this novel had of that. its time, nineteen thirty-eight. Yeah. I mean, Daphne du Maurier is no fool. She's purposefully right. illustrating these two women in the purposeful way she has has painted them. Mm-hmm. And there's a for me, there's some time where Rebecca may not be the villain that she's portrayed. Like we're trying to root for her murderer mm-hmm. and his <laughs> new wife, who's. Trying yeah. to help him along the way. That's not great. Um, you know, the reason that we dislike some women in the public eye is because of the way right. other women treat or describe them. Mm-hmm. So she was very ahead of her time to have control over her own life and her own story. I mean, she was a manipulative, horrible person, it yeah. seemed like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but yeah. It she was... tricked her husband into killing her, so she wouldn't suffer. Exactly. And <laughs> it's exactly she... what I do. I'm like, I have a terminal illness. I'm going to trick my husband into murdering into me. Into murdering me. Because I do not want to suffer. Yeah. And honestly, yeah. I've spent my whole life working for this image, and I'm not about to let sickness destroy that. She I want everybody so thin, though, which was she probably was already right. thin, <laughs> uh, as my dad used to say, and sort of achieved. Live young. Um, I'm sorry. Live fast, die young. Leave a good-looking corpse. Yep. So I mean, that was I think her motto. Yeah. <laughs> Drowned at sea. It's when not we talk look so good. Then we talk about the housekeeper. <laughs> Mrs. Um, Danvers is the best. She's so villainous. She's so creepy. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's just, like, you know, going in exactly the sort of person she's going to be. Yeah. Like, you think you know. Yeah. You and you're think, not wrong. No, you're never not wrong. wrong. But no. you never quite understand why she is the way why that she is. Why she was so devoted. And I think it speaks until to later. the culture. Yeah. Uh-huh. The culture of. When we learned that she was her nanny um, uh-huh. and followed her all the way through to adulthood. She basically was mother to this. And she admired her strength and her, her I don't care, F you attitude to the world. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah. well, which this- is something she, as, as a woman in her position, could never do. So yeah. maybe she admired the, the freedom that she... You know, she, she might have felt some ownership for it too. Because yeah, because sure. she, she basically raised her, helped bring her up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting. Um, the contrast between the book and the movie and stuff, and comparing because I watched the movie pretty soon after I had 
um, finish the book. And Mrs. Danvers was one of the characters I felt that in the movie was actually pretty much in as spot in, on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the actress, what's her name? Chris, Kristen. I can't remember. Whoever her played her to perfection. Job. Yeah. Um, well, those evil he, ladies are probably the most fun to play. Yeah, right? I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. She was so creepy. Cause you, you like when she started like crying and like, just like standing in the room with everybody and she's just like losing her mind and you're like what is happening <laughs> or when she's like trying to convince uh mrs de winter to jump to out jump the window out. and kill herself and she almost does I know, because this poor girl doesn't know well, what the hell's going on in a sense i can see how rebecca got to be the way she was because she was raised by mrs danver right was it when mrs danvers is like oh i wonder I, who influenced oh, the way- who though yeah, it's I hard don't to know. say. It's I hard mean, to chicken and egg. Do you man. remember? Is it the Good Son? Do you guys remember that movie? Uh-uh. It's so way back. That it's, was the Macaulay Culkin. It's Macaulay Culkin and his, and and his brother. Um, oh yeah, he plays the little little brother. Kieran. Kieran. Yeah, he plays the little brother, but he plays um the Hobbit's little brother. Why can't I think of that the guy's Hobbit. name? <laughs> uh, the eyes, the blue blue eyes. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know the Hobbit. <laughs> Yeah, um, Frodo. He plays. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Not the other Hobbit. This poor actor. He's he he. Played... Oh my God! He's made millions. Oh my God! And no one knows his name. <laughs> but do you guys remember the good Elijah Wood? <laughs> Elijah Wood. Yes. <laughs> oh my God! Um, wow. So yeah, Elijah Wood and Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> what are we talking about? Um, Evil Children was okay. where I was going. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Mrs. Danvers clearly has her chops. Like, yes. you know, oh, look at that beautiful painting. I think maybe you should look at that beautiful painting for your fancy dress. Yeah. <laughs> and I always totally forget. set her up. And then the, the way the actress's gleeful smile of ha ha ha. I totally just like, oh, forget she's so good. In Britain, they mean um, like a dress up party. When they, right, like a costume a party costume when party. they say fancy dress. I'm like, oh, fancy dress. <laughs> what on my fancy dress? <laughs> Weren't people in costumes? They were. They were, okay. Yeah, a costume party. But okay. I forget that, like, you know. Uh, right, Rebecca they don't call it a costume yeah. party. Yeah. They call oh, it they a fancy, fancy dress, dress party. party. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I did appreciate in the movie that oh, um, Beatrice and her husband had different <sighs> costumes than they did in the movie. Oh, book. good, yes. <laughs> a little problematic these yeah. days. <laughs> um. Okay, this is a funny question that I think will lead to some good uh, conversation. Did you find anyone in the book likable? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Let me think for just a second. Frank. Frank's I love real Frank. nice. Frank. Oh, poor and, Frank. And um, the guy who lives, the simple man who lives down on ben. the shore. Ben. Yeah. Beatrice is I did yeah, like so Beatrice. Sweet. Yeah. Because you know what? If I love Beatrice. Beatrice. And her uh-huh. role in the storytelling, we would never know anything. Right. We would never know why the white dress upset Maxim. Right. We would never know. She was good for some exposition. Did you catch <laughs> the? Thing? Did yeah. you catch that Beatrice was the older sister? Huh? Yeah, because yeah. they're because her bossy somewhere. boss. She's yeah. forty five, and he was forty two. Yeah. No, I did love her. She was a uh, see. She in... was such a good like, like you really wanted and... this poor girl. To, like, she's just holding on to, like, a scrap of affection that yes. she can get from Maxim, and that's all she wants. She's like, I'm just the, someone to be nice to her. I like the her. dog, but it's fine. Exactly. I'll just let the dog in my fine. head. She just needs some love so badly. So when Beatrice and Frank are nice to her, I'm like, oh, Beatrice and Frank yes. are so nice. And uh, Giles, well, is that his name? Yes. Um, I love that, that, that Beatrice 
could see through Rebecca every bit. Mostly. Mostly. Yeah. Like it must, when you learn what Rebecca's like, it changed. It makes me wonder, like everyone must have really enjoyed our narrator. Uh She must Mm -hmm. have been a breath of fresh air. If if she were not just simply a wallflower, like if anyone got an impression of her, she must have been a breath of fresh air. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, she says, Beatrice tells our heroine, you are so very different from Rebecca, which is like, yeah, you know, she doesn't like Rebecca. Yeah. You I can mean, you learn she doesn't it like different, Rebecca. But you can hear it differently. Like, right. like a re-listening to this might be interesting. I can see why. At but one, one I, point, but everybody kept that's, saying, that's time you're so different. At the pre, the, she, the preachers. Or yeah. you're insecure. Like, she how goes do you to hear that? Like, like, oh, yeah. I'm not at, like, she could never live up to it. Whereas, like you were saying, she's probably a breath of fresh air for everybody where it's like, oh my god. Well, for the people who were closer to her, I would mm-hmm. assume. Not the townsfolk who only saw what she wanted them to see, right? Do, right, yeah. Um, Frank Crowley also says that uh, kindliness, sincerity, and modesty are worth far more to a man to a husband than all the wit and beauty in the world. Hmm. Um, so what do you think he's trying to uh, to say to her? Like, you're nice. Right. You're not running around sleeping around on but, I mean, he knows because she tried to proposition him to be like, hey, you can come to my boathouse too. So he knows yeah. this woman. Oh, yeah. I thought but, he went to the boathouse. No, no, he didn't. It was just, that was just a um, accusation that Flavelle was making to yeah. unstuck Oh, him. I always thought that poor no, Frank had didn't. succumbed. No. I don't think he did. Because you know. he's too loyal to Maxim. Right. Oh, like that, that makes sense. stated again and again that he's completely loyal to Maxim. Right. And like, you now you like on the other side, you realize his reticence to reveal things to the narrator uh-huh. is, is part of that. Um, not so much to keep her in dark, but to, to be um, I feel loyal like to Maxim. His loyalty to Maxim is equal to Danvers' ma- loyalty to Rebecca. Right, it's almost like devotion. Right, but like in a healthy way. Like, yeah. who it, gets hurt by way. Frank's devotion, Frank right? can see through what's going on, even though Max has not told him. He knows yeah. that sh- he murdered Rebecca. Could he have been down on the shore? Maybe he's the other oh, wi- Maybe he's another witness. He could have been. Yeah. yeah, and he knows exactly what Rebecca was doing because she tried to do it with him. So I think mm-hmm. he... You have more sympathy for um, for him and uh, Max's relationship than you do for Danvers and mm-hmm. uh, Rebecca, right? Well, they're two of a they're two of a kind, right? Well, you know, each of them is two of a kind. But I think about it, even even the slow the slow witted man gets ben. a name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Billy. <laughs> Ben. 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 I, didn't, I didn't remember either. I didn't no, tell no ben. one what I saw, did I? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's so good. I, I was know. so like heartened when he calls in. He's like, nope, I saw nothing. I don't know anything. That lady's gone, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, yeah, you can't ben. hurt me anymore. Oh, yeah, okay, poor man. guy. Mean to people's children. Yep. <clears throat> um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't actively dislike a lot of people in the book. I just didn't really love anyone. Right. I mean, Although I don't... really disliked, but also loved at the same time, Mrs. Van Hopper, because she was just fun. I mean, you hated her because she was obnoxious. Yeah. But, you know. She's the reason they had the fancy dress ball. Right? No, yeah. she's oh. the lady she worked for. Oh, the yeah. The socialite yes. lady. No, oh. Like <laughs> no, you don't like I her, love when but she she's re- fun. Reflects back. 
And she's like, oh my God, she's going to see it in the papers. And she's like, oh, that poor girl's husband murdered his first wife. I knew he wasn't right the whole time. But when uh, you see, when you do watch the latest version, really I love the actress yeah, that plays her. So you will love her. Yep. I, uh, what, what else have I seen her in? I don't know. I know I've seen her in other things. Similar kind of character. She's fantastic. Okay, as long as you get to work, right? Yeah. Right? Um, I enjoy these stories of, um, you know, British country life. But, mm-hmm. oh, I love, it's Anne Dowd. She's, she's amazing. Handmaid, yeah. Handmaid's Yeah, tale. she's in Handmaid's so Tale, that's it. She's in The Leftovers. Oh, my gosh. She is real good yeah she was great yeah that's true i know her but i know her from handmaid's tale mm-hmm. and she was wickedly she was like a mrs danvers yeah, in that scary. one she's so so good so devoted to her cause yeah oh in the leftover she's very dynamic um mm. it's a, that's a good show i will look for that one I because i am it, a huge and dad fan now that you know her name now that, now that we know who, now that I, I remember as soon name. as you said her name i'm like oh that's her name what's she her name is my favorite actress a really good character actress she and is. once you're like aware of her you will see her pop up mm-hmm. all over the place and she's had a good last like five to ten years um she's very good mm-hmm. how do you view the destruction of manderley is it horrific or freeing or justified vengeance on rebecca's part how uh, the De Winters have ha- would the De Winters have had a fulfilling life at Manderley had it not burned? No. Yes, they would have. I don't think they would have. That girl is clay. She was ready to become the clay. Okay, like, to be molded into the next thing. I, it's not her. I would have worried about him. Yeah. Because he hadn't really Manderley was not really his place anymore because he had let Rebecca take it over and change everything. So even when he came back to it. He was still seeing everything I mean, I about like it, the, believe... all the de- all the decorative details. She had her hand in changing everything. Right, but I mean, they still had all the original furniture and everything packed away, and I would have liked to believe that him and, I'm just going to call her, what's her name, because she doesn't have a name, um, could have made it a place of their own. I mean, yeah, I understand. I guess. In the, yeah. in the new movie, they changed the ending and Danvers is the one who burns the house down, and she admits to it. She's like, "Oh, they like catch her because of course Danvers." Well, she's no. she. I mean, are you going to watch it? I could spoil yeah. it for you. Don't tell me. Okay, yeah. so it's it's her fault that it happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> There's more it's exposition a bit, because it is a very Danvers satisfying burned. ending. Obviously. I don't think it is obvious <laughs> it because is. I didn't know. Why that. would she clear out? Okay, I just listened to the last chapter. Right. So I mean, she would clear out because she knows that. She's not welcome there, okay. and she has no so hold over the place some, anymore. You think there's some ambiguity? I think it could too. be read either way. I mean, yes, you can obviously say she let the house burn down. Oh, it was definitely her that did it. Oh, I think she lit the fire. Right. I mean, you could think <laughs> that, but I could also see it well, as being like wait, wait, some mysterious. But she thing. also made a clue earlier she, that Rebecca had because she would. Uh, now I can't remember if it was something I read or something I watched. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Never Don't mind. Follow it. <laughs> Um, when you've watched it, let me know because then we'll right. see if you. Do you think that it was right that Maxim was absolved of any crime? You were rooting for it to happen, but he still killed her. I think and he still Julian knew wait, what was up. He still killed her, thinking she I had don't. a baby. I think he daft. But but he still killed her, thinking that she was pregnant. Yeah, that's. 
It could be but a not, crime of passion. Right, it, was it wasn't not, his child. Yeah, it was supposedly. definitely a crime of passion. Okay, but okay, but if something... she was really pregnant, he's killing her and her unborn child. Sure. Yeah, but well, that was Rebecca's design was to leave him with that kind of guilt. I get that, but I'm looking at what his side of it was. No, I, I know he's living in guilt that is destroying him. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so in, I don't in think a sense, he comes he's... out unscathed. I'm glad he doesn't get formally punished because we learned that he it was by design. Right. Um, and it, when he was with his and him. when he was with the new Mrs. De Winters, he kept her at a distance because of his burden. Right. So well, he he was girl, paying. So you know, he was paying like, the course. Girls, if Price. you're listening to this and you're an unmarried young woman, like spend a little more time getting to know your potential husband. Yeah. I mean, I knew I wanted to marry my husband. At, like four months of dating, but I had actually known him quite a long time before that. Yep, <laughs> and same. then we spend a year making sure that was the decision we wanted to make. Like, yeah, don't, don't marry don't your do prince <laughs> immediately. Watch frozen or something. <laughs> watch oh. all of frozen. Don't just watch the first half. Right. Cause then you'll be like, Oh, oh so see, you. we finished each other's sandwiches. <laughs> um, I, so I went into it, not knowing the plot of the, I hadn't seen the movie or anything. So, I can say that I was legitimately surprised at the plot twist where I was like, what? <laughs> the only thing I knew was I had seen the trailer for the Netflix one before I decided to read the book. So I had like a vague idea, but um, who the players may be. Right. But I had a great time reading it. So I, it's been a long time since I'd seen the movie uh-huh. and I, and I'd only seen it once. So I didn't fully remember no, going I in. Was, so like, very fascinated with this. Mm-hmm. And now, when you remind me that it's Hitchcock, it's because there was a period of time I was, like, going to watch all the Hitchcock movies. And I was, like, fascinated. That time never stops. You should always still. (laughs) It's like the Twilight Zone. It never gets old. Right. That's absolute truth. Night um, Gallery, that's a different story. (laughs) The Night Gallery. Night Gallery was the, after Twilight Zone, Rod Serling also had Night Gallery, which was. I don't know about that. More horror and less mm. ironic twist. Interesting. Where should we go from here? So the costume ball, I yep. knew was a big player in yes. the story. I didn't yes. know why. And but you I, knew there's no way that Mrs. Danvers was really gonna help her. No, no, I had an idea as to. I knew she was trying to convince her to wear this dress and to be yes. Catherine. Yeah. I didn't know why. You know Mm-mm. that it was because. Uh, Rebecca had worn the same dress the year before so when the heroine got the surprise that she did I also had the surprise at the same time where I was like why are they being so mean to her she was so excited about her dress I love the description of her getting ready like I was like a little girl yeah so I did enjoy that and I liked the um like you were saying the the telling of her you know acting like a young girl and being so excited for the ball and because like it's the strongest emotion you see from her, like mm-hmm. her excitement about it and how particular she's being about the wig. And it's the, the first time she feels strong enough to hold a secret and to be part she's of like it. She's like teasing Frank and yeah. uh, Maxim and saying, "I'm not gonna, you're not going to get the surprise of your life. You're not going to recognize <laughs> me. And you're like, uh-oh. What does that mean? Oh, girly, girly. <laughs> oh, you poor sucker. I know, that poor girl. I, yeah, it was hard. Um, it's like one more t- th- reason to hate Mrs. Danvers. You hate her, but you love her. No, you just I mean she's her. a great villain. I mean, yeah, you love to, to hate her. I am saying, yeah. 
We love to hear something to appreciate. Um, one of my questions was, what kind of character is Max, and why? Oh, more specifically, why does a man of his stature fall in love with the young heroine, and what draws him to her? I think it's this because I thought about that a lot. First of all, I mean, he says it many times. He was looking for a young wife. Yes. He wanted a fresh start. Yeah. Yep. And I think there's a little psychology to that midlife time mm-hmm. where you hearken for the youth you have right. left behind. And so he can recapture it by the social mm-hmm. norm of marrying his, a woman half his age. His first marriage was a sham, so he never got to experience right. the, the fun of, you know, actually being in love. In, yeah. But so he I is an see. old old yeah he's tw- he's 40 he's old and he's she's years older than me i don't know how old um, yeah we don't know but she's young you yeah. know it gets a she's point like maybe of, 1920 yeah somewhere in there i would think i would even say if she's a lady's maid she could be 17 18 i, I don't mean, think she's that you don't young think she's that young because there's something about her po- there she some- has this little sliver of poise for some reason 19 is stuck in my head and i don't know if they yeah. actually ever mention her age they don't okay no. it's vague just like her name but 19 was kind of yeah i th- that was sort of maybe that's just what i came up with in my mind and he's yeah, I could, take could be her father yeah absolutely. we just all agree with that but. yeah yeah he was such a jerk most of the time right you know yeah and you don't know why except that in my mind i was like well it's just you know it's the it's age the style different. of the times and, and the age difference. I can understand. See this being a legitimate character, but then you learn why he is the way that he is. And you're like, oh, okay, well, he's burdened by the fact that he murdered his first wife and trying to keep it from everybody. I can understand why he's a little distant, you know? I think he even says, like, yeah, if you were any old, if, oh, if you were 38, you wouldn't be here. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I wish I was old and poised. <laughs> and he says to her multiple times, especially after the whole like revelation of what happened, that he misses that like funny look in her, like innocent yeah. look in, on her face, you know. And that's why I think he was drawn to her is that she's such a blank slate and like a yeah, just a is... young happy person that he's like, okay, this is what I need right now. Right, I hate that about. Him. So the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, it's very self-serving. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I think a lot of men approach younger women that way. Like, sure, you know. What can you, how can you make me feel? Yeah. Yeah. He couldn't stand being alone anymore. So he's like, I need to take you with me and I'm sorry for everything that's going to happen to you when I do, but sorry, I need a friend. So it makes you wonder, how long was he married to Rebecca? Oh, I think at least 10 years, maybe. Yeah, because he was still. You have to imagine she was a young, you know lovely thing uh-huh. because the fashion would be to be married pretty young I didn't so understand. he would have been then in his 30s he would have been well there if she's still was... older than her they yeah. never say rebecca's age but no and 38 is just a number that the narrator pulls out mm-hmm. so let's say she's in her mid-30s so maybe there's like a 10-year age gap yeah maybe like, like i had a way older boyfriend for a time and um he was like that in ways of like I'm going to take advantage of your youth. Sure. Your, that tends to be how you it know, works. And, ugh. Yeah, no, no, no bueno. No. Um, yeah, it was, it was interesting to see his character change. And him in the movie was obviously more likable um, because it's a movie. Um, <laughs> because you don't get a whole lot from him at the beginning either. I mean, when they're on their honeymoon and stuff, it's like, oh yeah, that's nice and cute. But like, He's never like fawning over her, or he's in right. love it's with like, her. It's no. just like it's, it's so like he conventional. Went to the grocery it's the, store. I'm very right. like 
I'm very fond of you. He yeah. went to the grocery store and was like, that's the brand I want. Exactly. And he put her in the basket and took her back to Manderley. Like, this, this, this will totally suffice for you know? my needs. Yeah. Yeah. In the book, he like, or in the movie, he turns into like a total like puppy at the end. After the revelation, he's like, you know, he totally needs her. Whereas, get, not so much. I get that from the like older version. Uh huh. That he's kind of a shell of a person almost. Sure. Um but I also think the burden of carrying his secrets weighed on him. There's a point where when you're released from that secret the weight of it that was kind of eight prematurely aging you even if you were older. I feel like when the release of that brought some youth back to him. Yeah. Um yeah, I think so too once I mean I can't imagine, <clears throat> excuse me, holding on to a giant secret like that and it not tearing you up inside. <laughs> that you murdered two people. Sure. Yeah. Well, only one. He yeah, but in two. his mind, like, you know, especially with murder, intent is the uh, right. The key there. Yep. Um, what did we think of um, Mr. Jack Favell? Oh, he's disgusting. Yeah. yeah. I love that in that description, okay. it points out first cousin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wow. Wow. Your cousin's not that long yeah. ago. It's not okay then. No. Because no. the book makes a point to tell you multiple times, this is her first cousin. Yeah, and you're it's like, gross. This is like, oh, And then when he actually says, potential husband. Yeah, it's like, okay. I'm like, an incestual relationship. That's what it was. Yeah. It's like, that's They're just terrible wrong. people. Yeah. You know, and they deserved each other. Your cousins can be more related to you than your um, own sibling. Right. Because of the genetic crapshoot. Ricky. Yeah, he was so sleazy. Um, that is an excellent word. He, in my mind, he looked, you know how you come up with like what they look like before even they described him to me. And it was completely different because they mentioned him being like, he could be seen as handsome. Yeah. Like he's a, like a good looking man. In my mind, he was like some greasy, like sleazy, gross, you know, which I'm sure he was, but <laughs> you know, it's just different. The inner, the inner spirit. Right. Through. <laughs> exactly. But like her, he would be charming when he needed to be. Oh, sure. I'm sure they cut quite sure. a bit together I'm, in Yeah, London. I think they work well together. Like I said, they, they certainly deserved each other. He certainly, yeah. And took advantage of the new Mrs. DeWinter's naivete. Oh, yeah. Not really. I mean, that's how bad he was. She understood he was no good. Right. Like, this will be our little secret, little girl. And like, she, she knows. Knew that's not oh, okay. Yeah, that's not yeah. okay. <laughs> I know, but she didn't have the... It's just her youth. I don't they, know if she ever knows who to trust. No. Like, does she all the way trust Maxim to say, oh, look, this guy was... I knew he was here, you know? She like, doesn't She doesn't want to tell lose. him because she knows that he's going to be mad. And he right. doesn't want him to be her to, him to be mad at her. Yeah. Because she's the puppy. And she doesn't want to volunteer yeah, to be Jasper. kicked. Yeah. Um, okay, so the last question says, return to the beginning of the book. How would you put into words or explain the sense of loss and exile that permeates the tone of the opening? Maybe, Anne, you can speak to this since you literally just read that part. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> um, I intended to go back and read the first chapter because I didn't really remember it when I started. It was a long book. So. Yeah. The, well, the first chapter just describes her dream and how nature had re uh -huh. retaken the... Um, 
the house. Yeah, the, the, the grounds. Yep. And it's almost like that wild spirit of Rebecca has taken. Like when you're right. looking back, having just finished, it's like that wild spirit of Rebecca has really taken over the grounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in my mind, they were much older then, but yeah. I don't know how much time has passed between then and now. Oh, wouldn't it be so sad for her to still be so young and living such an old life? I mean, I would. It makes me sadder to think that they've been living this way for many years and have <laughs> yes. not settled in a place that they like, you know. Um, yeah, I would be interested to know See, how long exactly going it had been. Back to the question of, like, do you think they could have had a good life together? Like, Max is so much more tied to that place than Rebecca's. Mm-hmm. influence on it because Couldn't it's his rebuilt ancestral it. home that's right. what strikes me strange because he's got money he could have rebuilt it but it's almost like burning your bridges it's past sure, he it's doesn't want it, he for him to go back and try to rebuild it still would not be as quickly mm-hmm. so. yeah well, because well, he would still be around the villages and the town folk and all the they other would still people. Still want to talk about, yeah, yeah, and especially after all the drama and the press of the, of the That's Inquisition true. and the finding of the body. Like I can imagine not wanting to be around that after. But all he of that. did. He was racing home. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. He he wanted he wanted what Rebecca what Rebecca what the narrator was dreaming about in the car, like that life of. She would go and make the changes. She would be the mistress of the house. She would have; they'd have children. They'd have a great life mm-hmm. together. Like it's like he's racing back to that potential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they never get it. No, but I also think that the reality of the the body being found and the scandal of of the trial, because there'll be plenty of people that'll say, you know, there there will always gossip behind their back. Will always, or sometimes not behind their back. That'll always. I think it would just Trash, not... rubbish, queen of rubbish. <laughs> They'll always, they could never. I think once it burned, it was, it was a cutting of the ties. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see myself rereading it, which is a lot for me because I don't typically ever care to reread a book. Um, but I could see myself being like, oh yeah, that was fun. I I should read that again. Um, but. I'm glad to have revisited it. I'm looking forward to the next movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see if I can ever find where to watch the original one. So. It was very good. <laughs> well, that brings us to our next pick, which is Anne's turn to choose our next book. So, All right. So then I reviewed my old choices, which I didn't even remember what was in here. Right. <laughs> so That's I good. I looked back at the old ones. I'm like, I don't even know what this book is. <laughs> I still support them. Um, so we'll see what I choose. Okay. She's reaching into her bucket. Uh, oh, good. Okay, good. Um, the Night Circus by Erin Morgenstern. Mm, okay. This is kind of a fanciful book, I think. Um, it's been a long time wish for me to read this one. It's 13 hours and 40 minutes. Sorry oh. about that. <laughs> Another one of those? Yep. But it <laughs> what is it really about? good. Let me just bring it up real quick. Um, I have not This author this has one. two books. It's this and the Starless Sea, which is also in there. Um, <laughs> uh, this is the summary from um, Audible. Okay. The circus arrives without warning. No announcements preceded. It is simply there when yesterday it was not. 
Within the black and white striped canvas tents is an, an utterly unique experience full of breathtaking amazements. It is called Les Cirques de Reves, Reves, and it is only open at night. But behind the scenes, a fierce competition is underway. A duel between two young magicians, Celia and Marco, who have trained since childhood expressly for this purpose by their mercurial instructors unbeknownst to them this is a game in which only one can be left standing and the circus Ooh. is but the stage for a remarkable battle of imagination and will despite themselves however celia and marco tumble headfirst into love a deep magical love that makes the lights flicker and the room glow warm whenever they so much as brush hands true love or not the game must play out and the fates of everyone involved from the cast of extraordinary circus performers to the patrons hang in the balance suspend as precariously as the daring acrobats overhead written in rich seductive prose this spell casting novel is a feast for the senses and the heart oh it's read by jim dale that'll be is fun that, oh that's the harry potter uh -huh. reader oh this will be very good i just got it on <laughs> audible i can't wait to read it all right um i think i have this one in the flesh and mm. I, but i'm also getting i mean jim dale is one of the best i know why wouldn't ever. you he does all the voices it's so fun to listen to so good i know some people like have very strong opinions about which is better but i'm, I'm strongly a jim I'm dale fan jim dale. um one of my favorite stories is about steven um the other one steven uh -huh. i don't even remember the other guy who reads yeah, harry yeah, potter yeah. who's very funny and i'm generally very entertained by him um he couldn't say harry pocketed it Pocketed it. And he was kind of derisive to J.K. Rowling when he was tapped to read the first novel. He's like, oh, great, a children's book. Okay. Right. And then it became kind of a thing. Stephen and... Fry. Thank you, Stephen Fry. And um, <laughs> she put that in every book that followed. The Harry Pocketed it? <laughs> yes. And then Harry Pocketed it. <laughs> That's so good. And I love, like, we've listened to all the books as a family, and it's always kind of like a fun, if uh -huh. the kids and I had a drinking game, it would be wait for that yeah <laughs> Drink well, i'll have to look for that next time i reread them <laughs> um uh, well does anybody have any other books they've been reading enjoying any recommendations oh. for anything before we go yes hold on i gotta pull it up. i am uh, currently in two book clubs now so we're doing <laughs> this one and then um i was mentioning to um my aunt who recommended this book to me um, that I got halfway through Little Women and never finished it. It finished it last year. That's so. Yeah. Um, she was like, "Oh yeah, I was gonna reread it this year." And then my sister wanted to read it. My mom wanted to read it. My cousins who have read it before that. So we're doing like a Facetime thing once a week and like Aww. going through the book together, which I'm very happy about. So I'm currently reading Little Women. Nice. I'm still um, working on Little Women right now too. Actually, it's, it's a lot of book. Yeah, so, but it's. I mean, oh, it's so if good. You can. I haven't memorized because like I've only it. I like. I like all of the series there's yeah. little women little men little good men. wives joe's um, boys joe's boys is like a, a, the fourth kind of book but right. it's not the full book it's but really good wives is talks more about the yeah. school that she said i got up. halfway Aww. through well i got For through boys. part one of the book there's two parts obviously i got through part one and then i didn't go back to it so i started back at the beginning so i just got you know the it's pleasure of reading the, book, yeah. yeah but it's very good knitting reading like, it is it is i'm using excellent. like a little book clip and i keep it clipped open and mm -hmm. i'm really reading it um you pick something very simple simple you don't have to look at very yep. much so that's what i've been um, doing recently i finished a book called the invisible life of addie larue and it doesn't follow our rules so because i have read it but i really really uh -huh. think that you guys would like it um, the invisible I kept, life of yeah. 
Addie LaRue. Write it down. Um, I kept listening to it thinking, oh, I wonder what they'll think about this. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's by V.E. Schwab, and um, she has a few series that are quite good. Um, She kind of falls in young adults. Um, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue is going to be produced. um, I I don't know if it's a limited Mm. series or a movie. Mm. Uh, It was very entertaining. I like a limited series because you can get more in-depth into the characters Mm -hmm. in a way that it's what they used to call a mini series, but without the commercials. But it, they're still a little longer than mini series, it yeah. seems. Um, but I, I'm enjoying the Schwab a lot. Sometimes it's hard to, it's hard for me to keep going back to an author sometimes because some of them can be very formulaic. Uh-huh. But her um, writing is is pretty cool, engrossing. I will remember that next time I'm looking for a new book. Yeah, it was very good. Cool. Um, so. I've read a few books because I'm like... <laughs> You're a voracious reader. <laughs> I, I'll, Yeah, sometimes I am. Sometimes I've been... Was I reading Little Fires Everywhere last time? Yes. I remember okay. About that. I did finish it. Um, and I started to read Every Tool's a Hammer. Life is... But I put oh, that on yeah, hold. Yeah. But isn't but that I, surprisingly good? I, I like, by oh, started, not. I mean, like, the first page. But, oh, okay. <laughs> but what That's I, Adam Savage's book. I have been reading two other books, How to Be Less Stupid About Race, which is really good. Um, and actually the undock it's more, it's, it's fi- fiction. It's not, it's nonfiction, mm-hmm. but the undocumented Americans is really, really good. It's a person, it's first person experience of someone of a, a DACA recipient mm-hmm. and even the trauma that she had from, um, and how it formed her life, the abandonment issues, of she was left behind when her parent in Ecuador when her parents came here and she didn't get to come here until she was like seven and even her her dad's experience from being someone who was a very skilled person to being reduced to a day labor and just mm-hmm. the effects and and um yeah it's it's really interesting like one thing I did not know did you know that the people that cleaned up Ground Zero were undocumented Americans were undocumented workers. Mm-hmm. The people who got the contracts were run by were companies run by white men who then had subcontractors who then got the day laborers. Well, and I they were not most they, of America is I think run that's the way on. most things are built. Yeah. They were they were <laughs> the, they the were in in chemicals and stuff and no masks, no yeah. So it's yeah. really eye opening about how our country really has profited off the labor while still mm-hmm. denying it. So yep. anyway, it's that's one of really, the things really does well. Deny yeah. other people's humanity. That is very true. Yeah. Um, on a different note, I remembered a different book that I'm not finished yet, but I will recommend it because it's been a fun alternative um, is I'm reading the wedding date by Jasmine Guillory. Um, which is a very light, Writing fluffy, romancy, um, fun read. So if you want something that's like not too much brain power, <laughs> also kind of a little racy, <laughs> um, <laughs> but a fun, quick little read. Um, it's very cute. And I rec- she has a whole bunch of them. So I just started the first one. She wrote to the wedding date. And then there's the wedding party, the proposal, one called party of two. And then there's like a Christmas one called the Royal holiday oh, which i'm excited to get to so they're very fun so i could recommend those too all right um other than that i think we are good so um next month we will be back here again to read the night, the night circus. circus 
by someone whose name I don't remember. Um, Aaron something. Morgan Stern. Thank you. There Aaron you go. Morgan. Aaron Morgan Stern. She, her or other Morgan, there too. I think it's Morgan Stern. It's Morgan something. Yeah. Aaron, E-R-I-N. Yeah. Okay, great. It's a girl. So. Okie dokie. Well, we'll see you next month. Bye. Bye-bye.